Hello, Stephen. Hello, Erica. Where are we? In the village, talking about Hammer into Anvil. Tenth in the original UK broadcast order. Mm-hmm. Um, featuring Patrick McGowan, <laughs> as usual. And Patrick Cargill as number two. Yeah, and as you pointed out when we talked about Many Happy Returns... Patrick Cargill was also in that episode and then he returns or appears again here is as number two but I I really don't think that he is remotely supposed to be the same character I think this is just another example of what many British shows have done all the time and use actors as different characters mm-hmm. um, like it, when we watch Midsummer Murders <laughs> and I look up some actor that I recognize from elsewhere um, you know, probably s- just slightly less than half the time I find out that they're going to be back again in Midsummer Murders as a totally different character. I think this is a case of that because there was no uh, sort of recognition from number six. And also he acts completely differently. The character is not at all the same. No, uh, it's almost the point where like the like Colin Gordon, who was number two in the general and A, B and C, you know, he's the same actor playing number two. But even then. It's like he might as well be playing two different number twos, but as the same actor, because there's there's so like nothing is mentioned even between those two. Um, as you say, that's just the way the television worked, and British actors, you know, probably said, "Oh, he worked really well with the cast. Let's get him back in to do a role." You know, very a very theater company kind of approach to things. You know, mm-hmm. you know. Yep, totally. Mm-hmm. Uh, I found I found it interesting. I feel like of the the numbers two that we have seen so far, <laughs> uh, that he's kind of an outlier. He doesn't have the little umbrella seat except for one shot, which felt like an accident. Actually, most of the time he's got that weird sort of ca- sword cane, mm-hmm. basically, which he pulls out and threatens number six with at the beginning. Um, there's there's one sequence where when he is leaving to go to where does he go? Oh, to to go to control to you know fire the supervisor, yeah. whatever. So he's he grabs his cane in his room, walks toward the door. Then you get a long shot of of him and number fourteen leaving the building, and in that shot, he's carrying the umbrella seat cane thing and then when he walks into the big control room he doesn't have either one of them (laughs) so i feel like that was just a little bit of a production error probably they probably thought oh let's just get a shot of this number two and some guy wearing the costume Mm -hmm. uh and for a quick shot no one will notice Mm -hmm. you know they probably wouldn't back on 405 line television one time viewing only kind of situation yeah maybe maybe like they assumed people wouldn't notice that the the numbers that number six wrote down in black like marker ink Mm -hmm. uh, to put on the pigeon's leg was not exactly the same as the blue ballpoint pen (laughs) writing that we see when they catch the bird yeah I imagine maybe something happened to it or perhaps someone thought oh whatever it's a piece of paper we can just write another one Mm -hmm. yeah 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 totally so I just I just found that amusing didn't ruin the episode for you though did it no 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 not at all not at all. I really like this episode. At the end of the last uh, podcast, you said this is one of your favorites. And yeah. I didn't remember which story it was based on the title or, or the the screenshot on the DVD menu. But I do remember liking this one a lot. Oh, good. Uh, but I, I feel like, as I said, this number two is an outlier because I don't think this 
story would have worked with most of the other numbers too that we have seen because it's clear that number six is just he's such a savvy character he recognizes the the character flaw or character defect mm-hmm. uh, in that very first scene with with this number two who is very clearly quite new because we see him on the front page of the the newspaper saying you know new number two calls for a, you know vigilance or whatever yeah and yeah we uh we see number six you know he, it's a revenge story really because he's just so mad about uh about them driving number 73 to her suicide mm-hmm. which is a really sad sad way to start things off but uh but yeah he he realizes that that's the best way to get uh, get revenge and he just does it like methodically and perfectly and you know say like you know the last number two the like the female number two there's no way there's no way she would have fallen for this kind of nonsense she would have seen through him in a heartbeat maybe uh that colin gordon one from a b and c in the general like he's a b and c he's really going kind of borderline patrick cargill Mm -hmm. in trying to uncover the truth behind who he's selling out to as well i suppose yeah i think he's the the other one Mm -hmm. that that would that might have worked on yep Maybe Leo McKern. Maybe. Yeah. Maybe. Mm. Um, you say methodically, um, which is true to a point, but I, that what I like about it is that it's not uh, like a set plan. He's not like planning this out. We don't see him plan. And a couple of occasions you can sort of see number six walking through the village. He sees pigeons on the roof and go, hey, there's an idea. You know, he's basically coming up. He's improvising. Mm-hmm. A lot of these ideas, which makes it great, you know, and he sees number fourteen in the um, in the cafe and does the same thing, and it's like, oh, maybe I can mess up with him too. And so, he, so a lot of this stuff is just you know off the cuff, which is what makes it that much more random, and thus he knows that is going to totally drive number two bonkers to try and figure out the the pattern behind all this. Yeah, I think actually, I think the very first thing that he does was also sort of an off the cuff because he's walking along and then he happens to see the sign that says music calms the mind or whatever mm-hmm. and it's like ah here's an idea let's go in and look at these new records and that's that's where it all starts was was right there because not only was it a way for him to do something that's suspicious but it's a way for him to do something suspicious right in front of a person that he knows is going to going to tattle on him mm-hmm. yeah he plays upon both the you know, well, he sees the headline, I guess, you know, increased vigilance from number mm-hmm. two. Um, but he also can kind of tell which people will be the ones who do the most, who are the nosiest people, I suppose. <laughs> uh, you know, he sort of targets those people in, in, in that regard as well. So he kind of plays not only the paranoia of number two, but the paranoia of the village against mm-hmm. number two, you know. Yep, because everybody's got their nose in in everybody else's business and are are watching especially since you know he puts you know special once he puts this you know special inc- extra increased vigilance on number six mm-hmm. yeah then then pretty much any move that he makes is going to be watched so he can just toy with number two at will yeah uh, you remarked it is kind of sad because you know we see a lot of well um a couple i guess mm-hmm. of the sort of the main recurring characters in this get fired essentially like that and it was like poor the supervisor um is 
like let go and he's like almost like pleading for his job and it's almost <laughs> sad watching him do that i know it's so weird like we know these are the bad guys they're keeping our hero captive mm-hmm. and this the supervisor is has, is the fellow who has been you know keeping keeping watch on him and everybody else in the village all the way through but just the fact that we have seen him in so many episodes he's become like a fixture mm-hmm. in the village and to think of him getting fired it's like it's like the the passing of an era it just felt <laughs> it was like no he's he's a he belongs there it was it was weird yeah, uh, it's also, I think it's kind of set up because uh, for some reason, maybe he's filling in um, on this week, but he's like reading out birthday announcements when usually it's that <laughs> sort of like chirpy, good morning, good morning, good morning woman who does all this mm-hmm. sort of announcements, but <laughs> there's the supervisor at the microphone reading out birthday announcements, mm-hmm. uh, which, you know, implicates him in this plot that uh, that number two is sort of created. Yeah. And, then the, and then the butler gets let go as well, like almost in passing, you know? <laughs> he's there to open the door for number 14 as he's fired. And yes, you could go too, number 14. And he quietly sort of slumps off for the next scene. We see him, he's got his bowler hat on and his briefcase. I wonder what he has in the briefcase. Mm, I don't know. Change of clothes, maybe? Maybe he's stealing the silverware. <laughs> I don't know. There's something up with it. But I like how he doesn't complain. He just sort of like... Mm-hmm calmly closes the door and then goes about his business about leaving yeah yeah that was that was sad too mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. um what else about this episode um pigeons um anything else weird sports Kasho. that's right we got our first look at Kasho, the sport of Kasho involving two trampolines and a tub of water and a barrier around uh, said ta- uh, trampolines mm-hmm. and orange jumpsuits and white and black helmets mm-hmm. and the objective of the game as far as I can tell mm-hmm. is to not fall in the water <laughs> or perhaps to knock your opponent into the water I don't know it's weird I would think that um, knocking yeah like knocking your opponent into the water is the end goal and yourself to not go into the water is probably also part and parcel and they they only play for a little bit and then two guys come in mm-hmm. i'm not too sure were they next or were they got what is that what it was i i assume that they were next and number yeah. six looked up and was like oh i guess our our time is up i right. won't drop him in the pool okay we'll get out of your way fellas mm-hmm. your turn and then so number number six won by technical knockout i suppose <laughs> um Watching this, I, I found it quite fascinating uh, that, you know, this is a few years before Watergate, but uh, you could totally look at number two here as Nixon, mm-hmm. who was consumed by his own paranoia um, from the get-go, from, you know, he, he, even in his first term, let alone when, he's, when he uh, tried to bug the uh, Democratic National Convention or National Headquarters um, in June of 1972. Um and that just brought him down. He was just like paranoid about everyone. And, and so it's, it's sort of a recurring theme, I suppose. And it's just, it's fascinating that this actually happened well before. Cause I imagine there's been a few Watergate parodies over the years that have parodied Watergate, but this came before it. Yeah. Wow. Mm-hmm. I hadn't, I hadn't thought about that, but yeah, that's funny. <laughs> that's funny. Take that Nixon. Mm-hmm. Um, another aspect is this, is that, is that number six, isn't at all interested in escaping mm. you know that that's what i like this is why it's one of my favorites because the the escape aspect is muted in this and he's merely trying to sort of exert his power be the hammer 
to uh, to number two's Anvil. Yeah, it's it is interesting. It's just I think that's one of the reasons I like it so much too is that he is on a mission and we actually get to see him achieve the mission that he sets out for to do at the beginning of the episode, which is not something that we really ever you know we've gotten to see because his mission generally is to escape mm. and obviously he can't because you know it's <laughs> this is the show so here because his goal is not to escape we can we can see something happen from the beginning to the middle to the end and actually watch watch our hero be successful for a change which is a nice feeling it is rather um i like how also increasingly the uh the employees of number two sort of mm-hmm. treat him with more contempt uh <laughs> especially the bomb disposal guy <laughs> <laughs> who sits there and like um, <laughs> plays with who parts of the alarm clock and then does I don't know what he was doing when he's sort of mm-hmm. bowing the bird to him as he's coming by in this weird so there's there's a there's a place in the village that is like uh, an underground bunker because there's like mm-hmm. piled up sandbags mm-hmm. in this bunker so there's mm-hmm. the fact that there's a bomb disposal squad at the village in and of itself is kind of amusing but there's actually a sort of a stronghold to, for military research or something there is amusing to me as well yeah and perhaps you know that's that's a place where you take the bombs apart because if they're going to explode mm-hmm. and it only kills the one guy that's working on them yeah. and it doesn't get outside of the outside of the bunker yeah i think what he was doing with the you know the cuckoo bird when it comes out of the clock it kind of bobs up and down as it makes a noise mm-hmm. so i think he was kind of like doing that to him like you're cuckoo dude you thought this ah, was a bomb I never thought about that mm-hmm. that's well done yep yeah that was that was a nice touch yeah tying into the paranoia thing again the, the one scene that um uh it's kind of annoyed me in years past but now that i think about the paranoia angle and the, the nixon paranoia paranoia not the nixon thing but just the paranoia is that when he goes through this huge amount of trouble to show that the person who phoned the head of the department at the hospital was number six Mm -hmm. even though the head of the department is not arguing that it's not (laughs) Mm -hmm. but in number two's mind Mm-hmm. He needs to prove this, that there was number six calling you. So mm-hmm. that's like a really big sign into how paranoid and delusional he's getting. Mm-hmm. Yep. Plus, I mean, from a more doyalist perspective, it's just another, you know, kind of spy tech sort of mm-hmm. thing, which most episodes have something that's spy tech-ish uh, in addition to all the cameras and microphones and stuff. So that was that was sort of like this episode ticking that box. Mm-hmm. Where... Um where do you think this this would fit? Do you think this is a good placement of this episode in this run, 10th in the run, uh, the original broadcast order? I do. I feel like it. you wouldn't want it to be earlier because number six really seems like he's got his feet underneath him in terms of understanding the way that the village works. Mm-hmm. So I think later in the run is a good thing. And um, yeah, I, I don't. I don't see any reason for it to be. I mean, this is it's kind of one where as long as it's not too early, it could sort of go anywhere as far as I as far as I know. Right. I mean, I haven't seen the the rest of the episodes recently enough to have any opinion on that, but but yeah, this is this is one where I have no complaint about that. And you know, I'm just thinking too about how, you know, perhaps in later episodes he's um not as interested in escape as opposed to sort of trying to control the village, but then it might have become repetitive if in mm-hmm. all the early episodes he's trying to escape and get and fails at the end of each episode um at some point it's going to look like number six is you know 
useless. <laughs> True. And also just it, it just might become repetitive as well. So perhaps it's deliberate having some of these, you know, escape attempts early on, then not, and then mm-hmm. once again, um, just to keep the, the show kind of fresh, maybe. Yep, that does make sense. But I do still think that this particular episode couldn't have come too much earlier simply because the way that he goes about what he's doing requires a lot of familiarity with with the village and Mm -hmm. and its ins and outs and stuff Mm -hmm. yeah um there wasn't a lot to choose from i don't think but did you have a cosplay idea in this episode yeah it was it was the slimmest pickings i think we've ever had uh i think my choice would be i would go with like a nicely tailored version of number 14's costume he had a he had a pretty nice kind of like a moss green turtleneck and uh-huh. i liked the uh sort of grayish uh heathered look of his of his coat and yeah. stuff so yeah i think i'd go with that it wasn't seersucker any it wasn't it wasn't seersucker but it it, it had a little bit of that that sort of feel because it was a little bit bluish grayish mm-hmm. yeah you taught me what seersucker is so i just wanted to show that i listened <laughs> good job dear i'm very proud of you yeah and you don't like the capes like the the mm-hmm. the, the conductor of the band had a blue cape on you didn't like that though that's actually the my favorite of the capes that we have seen uh because i really don't like the multicolored capes so Mm. at least that at least that one is a solid color so if i was forced to wear a cape it would be that one right um i did see another interesting umbrella that uh that i'm not in love with but it was just nice to see a different one um (laughs) mostly they're like multicolored just like you know each panel is a different solid color Mm -hmm. Uh, but there was one you see a couple times here that had some panels that are a solid color and one panel with polka dots and one panel with stripes so that was kind of neat good to know Mm -hmm. maybe we'll find out more um cosplay ideas in the next one but since it's on the next blu-ray for us and that's not on the screen in front of us i don't remember what episode it is i think it might be it's your funeral i could be wrong about that well maybe we'll uh look it up and put it in the show notes how's that or maybe i'm just thinking this is the first time that i've inadvertently adhered to your philosophy of not Uh talking about episodes in order (laughs) Well, I think it's fine to to talk about what we are going to talk about next on the podcast. I just, you know, referring to something as episode number one or episode number six or whatever, that is the thing that sort of gets my goat. Actually, episode number one is fine because Arrival, yeah. that's episode number one, no yeah. question. But yeah, and other ones, no. I think it's an, it's your funeral, then change of mind, then don't forsake me, oh my darling, and then living in harmony. I think that's the order from my memory and then dear listener who is who are listening to this on each uh each week that it comes out there will, there will be in mirroring the original broadcast um plan back in 1968 we'll take a two and a bit week break um because and then the last three episodes air on on they aired on a different day in the, in the UK back in 1968. So so we'll have a two-week break uh, with which we'll fill with um, other content about which more later. Hashtag teaser. Another teaser on this in the village on the Incomparable Network. Be seeing you. Be seeing you. Be seeing you.